So there was a group that was going for a mountain hike. It wasn't anything too difficult, kind of this gentle grade, maybe a, a water stop here or two, but it, one of those routes that really they barely had to break a sweat. And they're following these painted rocks that kind of mark the route as, it's, as they're going along until they turn a corner. And all of a sudden, the painted rocks aren't going in front of them, but they're going vertical for about 100 feet, paralleled by this rickety rope ladder that had probably been built 100 years earlier. And the hike was about to get very real, real quick. Some days, life throws that kind of challenge at us. And it's those times that we realize we better take our foot off cruise control because we better, <laughs> it's going to start getting hard real fast. And the disciples of Jesus are feeling that hard stop in today's story. See, Peter, James, and John have just come off of this mountaintop experience, what we call, what our Bibles often label the transfiguration, maybe even literally where the phrase mountaintop experience came from. Basically, they got to see a foretaste of what the resurrection, of what the second coming of Jesus was going to look like. And they even asked Jesus, hey, can we just stay here? Can we just camp out here? Can we just live in this experience, this mountaintop? In fact, faith, the idea of faith for the disciples has really been pretty simple up to this point. There's a couple sort of touch them and all of a sudden they're healed episodes. Ask and you shall receive kind of stuff, you know. News of Jesus' future murder notwithstanding, which what we had talked about the other day, they might say that Jesus' way was really kind of cushy and sort of the simple life. Like a little abracadabra solves every issue and any issue that's going to be out there. Then these four, uh, Peter, James, and John, and then Jesus, come down from the mountain and they realize it's not so easy. The other disciples that have been down there, they're trying to do a healing on a boy. One who has been possessed by a demon, and it's a healing they've probably done a dozen times already. And they're failing. They're, they're struggling. They can't figure out what it is that they're doing wrong to be able to heal this boy. We pick up the story. It comes up in three of the Gospels. We're going to look at Mark's version. This comes out of Mark 9, verses 14 to 24. It goes like this. When they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. When the whole crowd saw him, they were immediately overcome with awe, and they ran forward to greet him, Jesus. He asked them, what are you arguing about with them? Someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak, and whenever it seizes him, it dashes him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they could not do so. He answered them, You faithless generation, how much longer must I be among you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell to the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. It is often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you are able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. Jesus said to him, If you are able, all things can be done for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out, I believe, help my unbelief. You're not to turn the character story around here, but maybe there's a place where you can relate to the disciples' frustration. We'll get to the 
frustration of the father in a little bit, I promise. But there are people who are trying to help. They're trying to do something good. They're trying to do what they are skilled or called at doing, but it seems like they're out of their league. There's something that says they're trying to do it under their own skill. Now, I'm not sure how they have done their healing in the past, but later on, they ask Jesus to kind of debrief with them a little bit, and they're like, why did we fail this time? Why couldn't we do it? Maybe even the undercurrent, we've done this before. Why was this time so different? And Jesus replies in Mark 9, 29, he says this. He said to them, to the disciples, this kind can come out only through prayer. Now, did they try and do this healing without prayer? I don't know, maybe. If that's the case, certainly this is going to be out of their league. But that barely starts to describe the situation. Especially when we add on these pontificating scribes that are arguing, these armchair healers arguing with the disciples and debating probably the topic or the techniques they're using, commenting on how they could have gotten the healing done and why didn't they use this idea of healing or that idea. Maybe they're bragging from the cheap seats how they wouldn't have failed. All the while, the father is the one who's going through the worst. This is his flesh and blood that is suffering. He's been possessed by a demon since childhood that's trying to kill him. You know, honestly, 15 years ago, I thought there were some Bible stories that I connected with. That I, I'm like, yeah, I get what this is about. Nope. You know what? When I became a father a little over 10 years ago, it takes um, understanding stories or connecting certain stories to a whole new level. He's brought his son to the disciples and they couldn't heal him. The religious leaders, definitely not helping out at all. He's a man that's running out of options. And given the history of the the scribes arguing and the disciples failing, his words to Jesus seem totally par for the course. When he says this in verse 22, If you are able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. Honestly, it would be putting a cap on any sense of optimism that he had, but his desperation would be absolutely going through the roof. But before we razz on the Father too much for asking if you can heal him, like Jesus is ready to say, you know who this is, right, Dad? We see a similar conversation from one of Jesus' own faithful in Matthew's Gospel, in Matthew 14, this is uh, verses 27 through 28. They go like this. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. This is the incident where Peter gets kind of another mountaintop experience of being able to walk on water. But he has, you know, they're in the middle of this storm and they're scared because they think Jesus is a ghost that they're seeing kind of out on the uh, out on the water. He's like, hey, you know what? Don't be afraid. It's me. And, and Peter's like, if it's you, call out to me. You tell me to come out to you. And it's like, if it's me, dude, I just told you two seconds ago, it's me. And that's from one of Jesus' most faithful disciples. Right before he breaks the laws of physics and walks on water. Jesus is kind enough, at least, well, I'll use that adjective, kind enough to remind the Father of reality. You know who I am, right? Because if anybody is in that kind of desperate situation where his 
child's life is on the line. Sometimes they just need those basic reminders. I mean, down to the core of, of reality. You see, again, in Mark 9, 23, Jesus said to him, If you are able, all things can be done for the one who believes. And without even skipping a beat, the father responds in the next verse. Immediately, the father of the child cried out, I believe. Help my unbelief. I'm desperate, the father says, and I'm riddled with doubt. My faith does not measure up. I'm falling short. I'm helpless. He's the one person the father is on the scene who gets it. As Pastor Tim Keller says so well, he says, helplessness, not holiness, is the first step to accessing the presence of God. How does Jesus respond? Get away with, from me with your doubts. Get rid of your double-mindedness. Purify your heart. Try again coming to me, you know, make an appointment with me when you've worked out all this doubt stuff out of your system. Nope. Not our response. Not according to my translation, at least. The Father comes understandably desperate. And it's not even like he's asking for a faith boost so that all of a sudden he gets to the point where his faith measures up until he deserves a response from the Son of God. He's, rather, his plea, is probably the best verb I can use for it, his plea is more like, I have doubts. Will you help me anyway? I mean, ultimately, that's all our story, isn't it? None of us have a level of faith that merits an answer from Jesus. Like, I have this much faith, Jesus, ergo, you're obligated to help me. What would that be? That would be faith in our ability. That would be faith in, uh, essentially, our works and our talent to muster faith. Justification by self, if you will. In his desperation, though, here's the trick. The father ran to Jesus. That's faith in Jesus, not faith in his own faith. And Jesus responds, not according to the poverty of the man's faith, of the unbelief that he has, of the doubts and the questions and the struggles that he has, but according to the riches of his grace. And he heals the boy. And he brings him back to life. In Peter's case, go back to the walking on water example. In Peter's case, Peter gets afraid and he starts to sink. He screams out, Lord, save me. He's desperate. He's in the middle of a storm in a deep lake and he's going down. And Jesus answers with Mark 14, 31. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him. See, Satan has a mission to keep you away from Jesus. And there's many different tactics that Satan will use to accomplish that. Yes, he may use doubt in Jesus He may use doubt to get us to question the Bible or God's character or the relevance of the church, any of those kinds of things that uh, he can, if he can get a question or that bug in our ear that can kind of steer us away from Jesus. And that can trip up, a lot of times can trip up a non-believer or maybe a new believer. Um, Much of it though, yes, we can sort of work through. We can answer that. We can walk our way through that, understandably. But the dangerous tactic, the one that can break a strong believer, 
one that's been around the Christian block, been through these challenges for maybe even decades, is getting us to doubt that we can run to Jesus anymore. See, the Christian life isn't, doesn't necessarily get smoother the more we mature. We hit that struggle. We hit that sin that has kind of been this undercurrent in our lives, that doubt, that proverbial rickety ladder that says, if you want to go on, and we think, I should have this licked by now. I should be better at this by now. I can't go to Jesus now. And we fall for that and we get trapped trying to do Christianity on our own. And Satan ends up winning. So whatever your doubts, your struggles, your temptation, make the first step running towards Jesus. Whatever may be holding you back, take the step this week to ask Jesus to meet you in that struggle. No matter how how often you have been through it, no matter how much that voice in the back of your head may say, you should have this licked by now, you should be over this by now. Why are you coming to Jesus again? You can't do this. He doesn't want to hear it again. No, none of that is true. Make it your step this week to ask Jesus to meet you in the struggle, to give you the healing, even though you have the doubts, to reach out his hand and catch you when you need saving. And may, through that, may you experience in a new way the riches of his grace and his love. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for that grace, for that love that is willing to reach us out to us even when we don't deserve it, even when we don't merit it, even though we have those times when we don't believe you're going to do it or that you can do it. Help us to keep our faith strong, grow our faith. And even in those lacks, even in those cracks in our faith, help us to remember we can reach out to you and you will save us. Amen.